Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Coming with a hot take idea today, something that's been posed to me quite often over the last two, three weeks, um, because you're seeing a lot of uh, chatter online, social media, different websites, even on places like SportsCenter about all the summer pro-am leagues across the country where NBA players are putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, Just wanted to give a little bit of clarification on what exactly these leagues are like, um, the type of preparation, the type of uh, atmosphere they're played in, the type of uh, attention to detail and focus on winning uh, that is involved in these uh, summer leagues. Um, because I played in, in the Portland Pro-Am Summer League for a number of years growing up. First time I was able to play in it was uh, after my high school senior year before I was a freshman at the University of Washington. Really was the first opportunity for me uh, to play in a game, a, a, more of a serious game setting against pros other than uh, pickup games or workouts that I used to be involved with as a high school kid. But um, these summer Pro-Ams, uh, you can find one in pretty much every major city across the country where uh, there's you know NBA guys or or really good basketball players from overseas pros uh, spend their summers. Houston's got a really good one. Chicago ha- has got a very good one. Where actually former Gonzaga Bulldog Jeremy Pargo actually just hit a game winner. Uh, a couple days back um, to win a game. Uh, New York's got one. Miami has one. Orlando has one. Uh, but then the most, uh, maybe the most popular one that that has kind of come to um, really be known is on the West Coast. This is the Drew League in LA. I I never had a chance to play in the Drew League, um, but obviously there are um, there there are lots of passionate followers. Of the Drew League, there's actually a documentary that Baron Davis was a producer on uh, of the Drew League, kind of sharing uh, how it's grown over the last 20, 30 years and, and how uh, much of an impact uh, those games have on the community in South L.A. Um, but the ones that have really kind of created a little bit of a spark and a buzz uh, over the last couple weeks towards the end of summer are the ones in the Pacific Northwest, honestly, the ones that I'm the most um, aware of and the ones that I'm the most connected to for a couple different reasons. We'll start with the Portland one. It's uh, the Pro-Am League that I grew up, as I mentioned, getting the first chance to play in. Uh, It became really well-known towards the end of the summer because 
Peyton Pritchard went for 92 points. Yep, you heard me right. 92 points uh, in a game a couple weeks back. And, uh, you know, you hear some chatter both ways. Hey, man, that's unbelievable. 92 points. How do you do that? Then you have some other people saying, well, what's what is how how can you score 92 points? Um, You know, are they are they? not having anybody else that's any good playing in the league? Are they playing any defense uh, in the league? And so uh, kind of what I wanted to do with this uh, conversation is just break down the difference of what these pro summer am pro summer leagues, many times called a pro am are compared to some of the other things that NBA or professional players uh, are involved with in the summertime. Oh, and excuse me, the other really good uh, summer pro am that's based in the Northwest is the crossover in Seattle. And that's run by Jamal Crawford. He actually took it over for Doug Christie years ago, who started uh, it as a way to kind of give back and help some of the younger players in the area. And the crossover does a, a phenomenal job. They get guys from all over the country to fly in to play a game or two on a weekend in years past. Jamal has had um, Kobe Bryant before. Unfortunately, he passed away. Kobe played in the league. Kevin Durant has flown in for a weekend to play. Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, a number of guys have done that because Jamal's got such a great uh, relationship and friendship with so many guys throughout the basketball world. But uh, just this past weekend, Gonzaga's new commits, including number one ranked freshman in the country, uh, Chet Holmgren made an appearance and looked like he played extremely well. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, Isaiah Thomas, um, who has gone and, and kind of made a tour of a lot of different summer programs this summer, L.A. in the Drew League, I mentioned, been down to L, uh, Atlanta and, and played really well. He had 81 in a summer pro-am game a few weeks back. To, and part of his deal is to continue to show NBA teams that he's healthy. And uh, it looks like he's healthy when you watch the videos, the clips looks like he's moving well. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't get another opportunity to play um, in the NBA again this season. And and obviously, as as a Northwest guy, I'm pulling for him to get that opportunity and then to make the most of it. But really, this the whole idea behind this conversation today was kind of share what these summer programs are all about, how the teams are are kind of structured and and the kind of difference they have between the NBA Summer League and what I think is is an up-and-coming, a tremendous event, the TBT, uh, the basketball tournament, the winner-take-all $1 million challenge um, that is about eight years um, running now, which is uh, being sponsored by ESPN. But really, to start with the Summer Pro-Am teams and, and the style of play. The style of play is, is going to be a very freelancing game. There's very little focus and emphasis on defense. Uh, it's kind of a glorified pickup game with a coach that handles substitutions in and out with a coach that uh, will draw up occasional plays or have teams play out of some concepts, such as maybe if you've got a really good uh, point guard, you're going to run some pick and rolls. If you've got a really good shooter, you might run some single double or wide pin down actions for for that player. If you've got a really good post uh, who can score on the interior, you might roll them down on the block after a screen and roll action up top or on the wing, or you might just give them the ball on the low block. If you've got a good versatile four, it might be something as simple as pick and pop action and then just space the floor for them. But um, 
very little structure to these games defensively there's very little emphasis on on making things too difficult for the opponent yes there will there will be some guys that get after it defensively um, but you're you're not going to see great team defensive rotations and, and efforts um, it is it is really a glorified pickup game where guys really uh, are working on their skills on the offensive end trying to um, uh, especially the top echelon guys that are playing in these league the guy the guys that are either NBA players or high-level European uh, pros are, are working on specific things um, to get themselves geared up and ready to go for the upcoming season. But, you know, the teams are structured in, in a number of different ways. Some of them allow high school players. Um, that is not always the case. I remember myself growing up playing in the Portland Pro-Am. Uh, I was not able to play as a high school player until I graduated high school and I was about to go off uh, to college at the University of Washington. Um, the Portland Pro-Am was really good when, when I was in college. Um, we had the pros like Terrell Brandon, Damon Stoudemire, a number of other Blazers would play in it uh, and a lot of uh, overseas European pros who were from the Portland area would join. Uh, unfortunately, when I got into the NBA and it, a couple years in, and it would have been about 2005, 2006, they started allowing more and more high school players. And, and I'm a, not opposed and against the high school players joining uh, the Pro-Am leagues like that. But um, the Portland Pro-Am really kind of started to struggle when they put you know as many as three high school kids on a team at times. And really changed the dynamics of the league, changed the dynamics of which pros wanted to play again um, and how the games were played. Um, but mostly these teams are made up of, of current college players um, and colleges at all levels. You're going to get your Division One teams many times in the area that are going to support the league and want their guys to play in it. So, you know, at the crossover in Seattle, you're going to see a lot of uh, the University of Washington Husky players. You're going to see Washington State Cougar players that might be from the Seattle area playing it. I mentioned you saw a couple of the Gonzaga players the past week um, played over there, Nolan Hickman being one who's from the Seattle area now at Gonzaga. Uh, then you're going to also have the, a lot of Division II and, and Division Three players um, who get invited to play in the league. So you're going to have those younger guys trying to um, – really challenge themselves and test themselves um, in in a, a different environment than what they're used to um, with their level of basketball. So you're going to have those college guys. You're going to have overseas pros, guys who are – you know, waiting on a contract offer uh, to head to overseas. Maybe they already have a contract offer um, and they're just getting in shape. Um, you know, maybe they're in between contracts, um, but you're going to have very high level European pros playing in uh, these summer programs across the league, uh, or excuse me, across the country. Uh, for example, the Portland Pro-Am, um, you know, you've got a, a guy like Mike James who just, uh, he's kind of bounced back and forth between the NBA and Europe over the last three, four years. Uh, he he played there this summer. He had a number of, of, of high scoring games. But I went to a game this summer, and I think he had 45 points. But his defense, uh, again, it's not a disciplined defensive effort game. It's more of a uh, I'm going to work on my skills type of game for, for the more established players such as your pros. Uh, then you're going to have your NBA guys. And 
usually it is a pretty big deal um, if NBA guys come in and uh, play on one of these teams. Um, they're going to be the spotlight of the team. They might come in for only one game of a 8-10 game schedule for the whole summer. But if an NBA player comes in, into one of the pro-ams they're going to start they're going to play you know for example as many minutes as they want they might play 36 out of the 40 minutes if it's a 40 minute um you know two 20 minute running halves which a lot of times they are the nba guy uh or the most established nba gone guy on a team it's going to be his ball and, and he's going to kind of determine and dictate how the game is played whether um it's a it's a game where there it's going to be more focused if it's going to be more freelanced if it's going to be uh more structured or a little loose uh, a lot of times it depends on how serious the highest level guy in the game the nba player at that time takes the game and that's where i think you know um you have to take some of these numbers that are put up with a grain of salt but you also got to look at it i mean you look at the peyton pritchard 92 points and isaiah thomas 81 points they got the ball in their hands. They're made, they have the opportunity to make these plays, to, to, to score uh, points in bunches. But younger guys are coming after them. They're trying to, to you know, maybe make a name for themselves in, in that area. Um, they're trying to learn. They're trying to challenge themselves. So um, it kind of is a back and forth. Yeah, I talked about the, the defense at times isn't there. Younger guys are going to got to going to try to challenge and make things difficult but at the same time it shows you just how good those pros are whether it's Pritchard at the Portland Pro-Am or uh, Isaiah Thomas and Jamal Crawford at the Seattle Pro-Am it, it, there's a reason they're still putting up those numbers um, because they're able to get where they want with the basketball and make plays when we, when they get there um, but yeah you're right I mean these games are 150 to 150 um, because the game is played so fast, uh, played so loose. Um, and the guys who, as I mentioned, are the established pros and the NBA vets are the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands um, as much as they really want. Um, the other kind of section or group of, of players that uh, are going to be involved and be on a roster are going to be kind of the older guys from the area that may be freshly retired from playing overseas or in the NBA, guys that are very well respected in the area, and, and they can still play at a high level. So they play, but they also are there to mentor uh, some of the younger kids coming up and, and some of the younger players and kind of really um, – I don't want to say give these leagues credibility because they got tons of credibility, um, but because they're, they're invested in the game and they're invested in helping uh, the younger players coming up. And I think that's awesome to see. Um, so that's a little bit on the difference in, in the games, um, how they're played, how those teams are structured. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing to look at is the, the difference between that those leagues and the NBA Summer League and the TBT. Um, the Summer Pro-Ams, as I said, up and down, uh, not as much emphasis on defense, in particular team defense. Um, 
and, and it's a loose game. But when you look at the NBA Summer League, guys are scratching and clawing and fighting for, for jobs, both in the NBA with the 30 teams that are watching, as well as all the professional leagues uh, overseas, internationally, whether it's in Europe or Asia, South America. Um, guys are, are locked in, and they're locked in in a team setting. Um, they're more um, focused in on, on doing the detail work that's going to translate to a team game instead of numbers. Um, and the last difference between what the TBT, the NBA Summer League, and the Summer Pro-Ams are is the TBT to me is, is the most uh, fun, exciting change to the summer basketball calendar that I've seen in, in quite some time. It's a winner-take-all $1 million tournament. So you get your team entered in the in into the TBT, and you can do that in a number of different ways. And it's changed every every year with some slight slight tweaks to make things e- even better and even in, more interesting. Um, you put your team together. You can be voted on um, by outside fans. You can have qualified by playing well the previous season, um, or you can be selected by the TBT staff to be automatically joined uh, into the tournament. But it's something that I've actually been involved with for on a couple different occasions. Uh, I was a part of a group that put together a former Gonzaga group called A Few Good Men. Um, we played in the tournament uh, three different years. Uh, the first year, I was a player coach. The second year, uh, I was just a coach and what they call a GM, putting the team together. Uh, and then the third year, I was a GM as well as I did the <laughs> broadcast work for ESPN3 when TBT, uh, the game, uh, a, a four-game pod uh, was televised from here in Spokane. But the reason I like the TBT is um, – you put together a structured team, and many of the teams get very serious about it, and they create uh, training camps to prepare themselves to play in TBT, where just like the NCAA tournament, uh, there's seating and there's locations. And you win and you advance, you lose, and you're done. Obviously, you win, you're still alive, and you got a chance for um, the $1 million winner-take-all tournament. And the way these teams are structured make it so much fun and unique. You've, you see occasionally and have seen celebrities put together teams where they try to go out and pick up the best, you know, professionals from overseas and come back and, and put a team together to go after um, winning the title. You see a number of uh, alumni teams being put together. I mentioned a few good men, the Gonzaga team that, that we played in it. We made the uh, Elite Eight one year, and we made the Sweet 16 another year of those three years that I was involved with. Marquette's alumni team won the whole thing two years ago. Uh, Syracuse has had an alumni team. Um, a number of different colleges of Ohio State have had alumni teams that have done really well, and it's really fun, and it's a chance to kind of really – um, bring together a lot of alumni who love basketball together during the summertime when it's kind of a dead period for, for college sports and in particular basketball. So it's a lot of fun. But the other reason I love the ELAM, uh, the TBT, is because of what's called the ELAM ending and how the games are finished. So I mentioned an NBA, or excuse me, I mentioned a summer pro-am game where the the score might get out of hand. Uh, One team's up by, say, 25 with about five minutes left. Um, With that, the game might become even more loose with less defense, cherry picks to dunks, 
in the Elam ending, with four minutes left in the game, there is a target score that is set. And I believe it is nine points from the leading team's score. So if it was at 72, clock hits four minutes, the target score becomes 81. So the team might be up 72 to 68, for example. It doesn't matter um, score anymore. It matters score. So the target score becomes 81, and the first team to score 81 is the winner of the game. And it becomes very exciting and very interesting because every game with an ELAM ending in the TBT has to finish on a made basket. Um, you, you watch the games and you're watching them pretty closely, but then once all of a sudden you hit that Elam ending, there, there's just a little bit more juice when you're watching guys and, and how they're playing and how they're cutting defensively. They're guarding without fouling to give up, uh, points easily at the free throw line, but they're contesting everything all the same. Uh, it, it's become a really fun and unique way to watch the end of, uh, of basketball games and the TBT with the ELAM ending. They're actually talking about whether the idea and concept has been floated of having, um, trying the ELAM ending in the NBA summer league. Now, I don't know if how, how far that would go or has gone, um, because I, I don't see, NBA ever changing away from this current four quarter 12 minute system. Um, people have started trying to push um, for the ELAM ending to, to maybe be a possibility in college. I don't see that happening either, but I, I think it would be interesting. It would be cool. It'd be unique to maybe see the ELAM ending uh, be something that's looked at in high school or looked at in in AAU at the youth basketball scene uh, because I think it, it places a value on, on finishing the game uh, with a made basket and I, I think it really is a unique fun way to watch the game and I think it's changed um, how some people perceive end of game and the end of clock situations so I think that would be fun. Well hopefully you had a chance to enjoy uh, some of the breakdown on the summer pro-ams and why some of these numbers that guys have put up in different places throughout the summer are astronomical. They're unbelievably talented, but it's also the style of the game and, and the way it's played uh, that allows them the opportunity to put up those numbers. Uh, the difference between those, the NBA Summer League, and my favorite summer basketball event, the TBT, which uh, hopefully at some point I'll become involved with again, um, because it is such a fun and great event with, with them ending at the ELAM ending. So if you've liked today's podcast, the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports, please subscribe, like, review. As I mentioned in previous episodes, with the school year back in full swing and SB Live's focus on high school sports as well as the sports world in general, bringing you five episodes a week with the return of the school year. So take care. God bless. Appreciate you joining. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.